This is an ABC podcast. The best of Can You Be More Pacific? With Sarah and Dean on ABC Radio Australia. Fakalofala here to everyone and welcome to Can You Be More Pacific? It's almost the end of the year as 2022 approaches and we've got another episode of our best of. Fuganaka, it's Sarah here. We've got lots to look forward to in this episode. We listened back to one of our favourite interviews with Isava Rotengalau. We revisit one of our favourite questions uh, from You Can Ask That, talking about gender inequality in sport. And we have a report from our PNG reporter on the ground around tech ball. And of course, we have a story from Sarah... And this involves wheels again, but of a different kind. (laughs) Give it a rest, Sarah. Any new things you tried, any new hobbies? Because you've done skateboarding, that didn't end up so well, even though you wanted to try it at the Olympics. Um, You've been trading a bit. Is there any other hobbies you've started? Oh, yes, 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 yes. So you know me, always about a new hobby. So got some new rollerblades. Roller skates, actually, roller skates. Roller skates. Roller skates. Old school. Old school. They're so pretty. They're aqua and pink. And because I knew that I was going to try them out um, last weekend, I put on my cute denim play suit so that I could like give myself Katy Perry, California girl kind of vibe, put on my like cute new blue glasses. And I was just like Bambi and Kuji. It was amazing. <laughs> Bambi and Kuji. So yeah, I'm like, you know, I'm ticking all the boxes. I'm pretty much just like Jack of all trades, master of none at the moment. So I might yes. have to get myself some roller skates. Get around it. It's so underrated. Talanoa time on Can You Be More Pacific? So we're very lucky today to be joined by Asava Ratu Malia. He was born in New South Wales but moved to Victoria uh, where he took up the game of AFL and he's made his way into the Premier Competition in Australia, plays for Geelong uh, and he's a star on the rise I think at the moment. He started a few years ago but uh, he's had some strong games this year and he's becoming a permanent fixture in their team. Asava, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for the introduction. Uh, thank you for having me as well. It's great to have you on. And uh, look, we will keep it as casual as, as possible. And a good way that we like to start this segment is uh, some, some tip-on questions, some quick-fire questions that will get you to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Says is going to take control here. And yeah, whatever comes to your mind, that's what we want to hear. All right, here we go. You got this. You ready? Yep. Awesome. And the clock is on. What have you been reading, watching, or listening to lately? The footy. <laughs> what was your first concert? Um, Good Life Music Festival. Who was your most annoying teammate? Uh, Tom Hawkins. Who was your sporting hero? Uh, Usain Bolt. Do you have a hidden talent? Uh, I can cook hey. really well. What's your go-to karaoke song? Oh, uh, something with uh, oh, John Legend. Uh, oh, jeez. I... Ordinary people. Yeah, ordinary people. Love it. Scale of one to ten, how good are you at keeping secrets? Uh, ten. What was your favourite movie as a kid? I Am Legend, Will Smith. Love it. What's something you could eat for a week straight? Uh, my grandmother's lamb curry. Favourite place you've travelled to? Uh, Fiji. Book or movie? Movie. That was awesome. You pretty much nailed that. We have like the, the time that runs for a whole minute and you smash that well under it. <laughs> just just circling back, favourite karaoke song, John Legend. Do you want to give us a few bars? 
Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll pass on that. I'll, okay, I'll, fair I'll... enough. Don't be shy. Who was your annoying teammate? Uh, Tom Hawkins. What, why is Tom Hawkins so annoying? Uh, oh, he just he um, he leaves his wet jocks around. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and as a joke, he'll uh, randomly leave it in some of the players' um, lockers. Right. So I uh, left it in my locker a couple of times. So Does he it's have no a... fun. Does he have a family, like a partner and family in that? Yeah, yeah, he does. He does have a family. He's got I... two daughters. Um, he's happily married. Yeah, I hope, um, I hope he doesn't do that to his family at home. It's pretty brutal if he does. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. He just, he just keeps out the footy club. I love it. Well, Asaba, we want to turn the attention back to you, and we're very pleased to have you on the show today. But we want to take it to the very beginning of your career. Can you please tell us a little bit um, as to how you got involved in the game of AFL? Yeah, um, well, as you said earlier, I was I was born um, in Griffith in New South Wales. Uh, my my family um, migrated over in the early nineties, so and we and they ended up in uh, in Griffith, New South Wales. We grew up um, working on a lot of orchards, and um, a lot of work was in Griffith, um, and a lot of islanders there were there as well. So that's where my my family were most comfortable living. Um, I was born in Griffith. Um, I uh, started uh, early school there and um, pretty much removed around as a kid chasing work. Uh, my grandparents were anyway um, looking for um, orchards and we did a lot of fruit picking um, growing up. So ended up in, in Cobram in uh, northern Victoria. Um, that was That's where a lot of work was. So um, and that's where I pretty much joined the the game of Aussie rules. I, I, wanted, I definitely wanted to play in the NRL as, as, as a really young kid. Um, growing up in the Fijian family, but uh, there was nothing to be nothing to be seen, and no one really played it uh, around where I was living at. So I either chose either soccer or, or footy, and I, I chose a little so- bit of soccer and I played that earlier, and then, then I eventually found myself in footy. So um, through through mates and um, my mates' parents, they slowly encouraged me to play footy, and and the rest is history. I, I suppose, uh, and I've been to Griffith a few times. I, I know there's a, a really big population of Pacifica people there. It is uh, a, a first point of call for a lot of people in terms of, of work opportunities. But um, being brought up in Griffith in a small country town and then going to Cobram in, in Victoria, was it a little bit different to what you're experiencing now, living in uh, in Geelong or playing for Geelong and, and living in, in a bigger city? Yeah, yeah, definitely, mate. Um, I, uh, I I remember as a kid, we we always were moving around a lot, Um in in little in little towns and uh we stayed in a lot of uh a lot of orchards and little farms like that so um it's definitely a lot different to what i'm doing at the moment and where i'm living so um wouldn't change any of that um for anything as well it was it was something that um made me grow up and probably uh made me mature a lot a lot earlier than a lot of others so um it, it was pretty tough at times but um yeah i, I wouldn't change a thing I love hearing um, you speak so openly about your humble beginnings, and I just want to touch a little bit more on your family. What does it mean, I guess, to have your um, your grandparents um, part of your life so much from when you were a little kid? Like, are they some people that you're still very close to today? Yeah, they uh, they mean the world to me. They've they've uh, made a lot of sacrifices along the way to get me to where I am today. Um, we my family didn't grow up with a lot of things, and we didn't have a lot of money, so they always their little part. Um, my grandfather would work hours and probably worked a bit too hard at times just to uh, make sure that 
we would uh, would have the, the, the right things for school and we were able to play sport on weekends. So they, the sacrifices they made for not only myself, um, but for their children, my mum and my aunties. Um, yeah, we're, we're very grateful for that. So, um, and again, I do now I'm in the fortunate position where I can, I can help them and, and um, I guess help them live an easier life. So I'm, I'm very grateful. I love that. And fast forward, I guess, to when you got your first professional contract, um, how proud were your grandparents of you to, I guess, also remembering um, your super humble beginnings and, you know, all those times that you guys moved around as a kid, like what did it mean to you to be able to share that moment with them, letting them know that you had secured your contract? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a very emotional time. I, I remember um, we were watching the draft and we were all in my lounge room. Um, I had a few mates over and my, and my, and my mum and my, my nan and my grandfather were there. And um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a crazy time. I was excited and very emotional at the same time. Um, it was sort of, I, I guess it was getting drafted. It was sort of a way for me to um, pay them back for all the sacrifices they made. So, um, they were over the moon and, uh, and I was so proud, um, of, uh, yeah, oh, during that night. So a lot of phone calls to the players that night, but it was, it was, it was hard getting string words together because it was, it was a, an emotional household. Oh. I love hearing that. It's, yeah. it's, I'm getting goosebumps it's listening to really you talk about that, that moment. Is, is Geelong a club that you, uh, you know, were pretty stoked to be, to be drafted into? Obviously, um, you, you could go, you could end up anywhere, but, um, you know, that must've been nice to go to Geelong. Yeah, it, it was it was very nice to go, uh, go to Geelong. It's, it was a lot different to um, how I really thought it was going to be. A, a lot of players, um, yeah, it was definitely a, a surprise meeting him for the first time. And um, I, I'd actually never been to Geelong um, before I got picked up here, so I was I always thought Geelong was a part of a part of Melbourne, a city. So, it, but it's, it's actually a, a completely separate town to uh, Melbourne. It's like an hour <laughs> down the road. So, um, yeah, I, I, I was very grateful. I, I didn't really care that much where I wanted to go, but um, it was a bit better for me to live in Geelong as, as I was close to my family as well. So, um, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's been very good and I've enjoyed every minute. Well, I mentioned off the top how, how well you've been going this year and you re-signed for a couple of years. So things going pretty well at the Cats. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, everything's slowly coming together for me. I've, um, it, it was nice to sign, sign on. I, I didn't really um, have to think about it much. Like I've, this, this club um, has, uh, has done so much for me um, during this period of time that I've been in the AFL system and um, it was a great way for me to pay him back, I think. And uh, again, I, we uh, we got picked up um, by the club, and I was I got I got drafted with a number of the people, a number of the boys as well that are in the team as well. So um, I'm excited to see where where we go with the club, and um, yeah, and it's it's nice to have a job for the next couple of years as well. Just to know what I'm <laughs> for sure. No real talk. Yeah. Speaking of your time um, at the Cats, who is your favourite team to go up against? Uh, favorite team? Um, oh, jeez, I'm a big. Um, I was a big Lance Franklin or Buddy Franklin fan um, growing up, and mm. I, I always did want to go up against um, Big Buddy. So, the first time I ever did go up against Sydney, I was um, I was in awe of him, seeing him across the ground. That was that was always good. But um, yeah, prob- probably Sydney. Yeah, cool. And speaking of games, do you have a particular, I guess, game day ritual um, the mornings of? Uh, oh, the mornings, it's 
it's sort of I've got a lot more relaxed as the years have gone on. I used to be really diligent um, in what I I would do, um, but uh, I'm pretty much the same. I always have a big bowl of porridge in the mornings. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Other than that, there's there's nothing um, nothing that really sticks out to be honest. Probably the usual thing that all other athletes would do. Um, we recently saw your roaming sav video for the cats asking all the tough questions and you did pretty well. Do you have any plans to join media after football? No, well, I haven't seen that. Video. <laughs> I, I, I hate watching videos of myself. <laughs> um, uh, hopefully they made it look good because I did a horrible job when I was there actually. No, you did I, really uh, well. Like we watched it and you were incredible. They, they they must have edited it really good then. <laughs> Power but, um, of pre-records. Yeah, seriously. Oh. We would know everything about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, definitely not something I would do. I, I um, I hate, he- I hate, I hate the sound of my own voice. I hate seeing myself on TV. So, I'll, I'll stay, I'll stay far away from that. Humble boy. One day you'll be there, mate, for yeah, sure. no doubt. Lastly, I just want to ask, is, is there any advice that you'd give for, for young athletes, be it here in Australia or, or over in the Pacific, uh, if they're considering chasing, chasing their sporting dreams or anything for that matter? Um, oh, geez, that's a... It's a big question. Yeah. Um, well, for me, to, for me, getting drafted, um, I, there, I had a lot of good strengths and a lot of weaknesses and... Um, a lot of people do tell you to work on your on your weaknesses, but um, for me, I, the biggest thing for me was to work on my strengths. I, as long as long as as I was working on my weaknesses, the biggest thing for me was to be really good at my strengths. And um, for example, I was I played a lot in the ruck, and um, I had to follow up on the ground balls as well. So I, I, I did a lot of work with that stuff, and I thought that was something that um, the clubs looked at a lot. So um, yeah, as as long as you're working on your weaknesses. Um, just keep uh, keep getting getting away with your with your strengths and keep um, yeah keep practicing practicing the things that you're good at. That's fantastic perspective and a very strong note for us to end on. Asava, thank you so much for joining us on Can You Be More Pacific. We wish you all the best with the remainder of the season. We'll be following you very closely. Perfect, guys. Thank you for having me. That was Asava Rotengalau, the proud Australian-born Fijian and Geelong Cat superstar. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? It's time to ask a question that's been burning in your mind. This is a part of the show called You Can Ask That. If there's something that you've ever wanted to know from a current or former athlete, then please send us a note uh, at Sarah Nangama or Dean Hullitow. Also on Instagram, believe it or not. Um, but this week's question uh, is actually coming to us from Michaela Manu. And the question is, how do we erase gender inequalities in sport? Says. Huge question. Huge question. That's a big question. That is a big question. And I don't feel like it's a simple answer either. But I guess the first part is like we can absolutely acknowledge that there is inequalities when it comes to sport and what the men can access compared to women, you know, and I guess the biggest thing that we talk about is like contracts, like why can't women do it? Like fully professional compared to to men. And look, I don't know all the answers and I know that you and I have had deep discussions as to what that looks like, what that feels like, particularly as a female athlete and you being a retired one, I guess the the opportunities um, that a male gets to access compared to a female um, 
isn't completely equal. But I want to make mention of a social platform called The Female Athlete Project, which is run by Chloe Dalton. She is an Olympic gold medalist who represented Australia at the Rugby Sevens. She is also a current AFLW player who just recently signed with the Giants. And a couple months ago, they released this really cool post that just says, how can you support women's sport in 2021? And I know that the question is about gender inequalities, but I'm just going to harp on about the women. Is that okay? Go for it. Yeah. Sweet. So these are like really practical but achievable steps. So first one is watch women's sport on television. Check. Two, engage with news stories and coverage about female athletes. Check. Get tickets to watch your favorite team or athlete compete. Well, to be honest, I haven't purchased tickets to a footy game for a long time, but I will now make an effort to purchase a ticket. Love that. Buy your team's merchandise. Don't own any merchandise. That's cool. I'll send you some New South Wales Waratahs yes. for next season. <laughs> but no, you make him buy that stuff. Yes, yes. He's going to buy that. He's going to buy his send, first membership. Send me the link to the, to the shop, the online shop. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and often I think what we do is we often complicate it. Like we think about the big things, right? Like the milestone steps that need to be taken. And no doubt, like we also have to trust that the organizations who have power are working to try and create that equal playing field without actually acknowledging like in our everyday lives, we can do something to help close this gap. And it's as simple as like you said, turn on the TV and watch our game. Know when our schedule, when our fixtures are on, you know, and I just had like this thought and we spoke about it a couple weeks ago is like a Waratah's male player probably has three times the opportunity to wear that jersey than I do in a season. And I train for like same amount of preseason as him, but my season's shorter. Those are just like some things that come straight off the top of my head. What about you? Yeah, well, the, the points that you all made are around generating interest, which ultimately when sports run as a business, they go, oh, well, what's going to affect our bottom line? And that's a, a fallback for a lot of sporting organizations, I would say, uh, when, it comes to, when it comes to talking about how do we um, increase resources allocated towards women's sport, well, then we need to – money moves around in big, big sports business. It just moves around from one end to another within the business. So they need to justify it when they do that because they do crunch numbers and make decisions by numbers. Those steps that you just mentioned are, are great ways to get engagement, to increase uh, the opportunity for people to put money towards women's sport because it – increases the consumer side of it for big sports organizations or broadcasters or whatever it might be. And like you said, there's small things that everyone can do. And it will add up. And it adds up. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think there's probably been like over the last five or six years, there's probably been gains made in those areas generally, not huge gains, I wouldn't say, because the situation or the, the gap is still so big right now, right? So you wouldn't say the gains are huge, but it's headed in a direction. It's how do we accelerate it to make it go faster? Yeah. And I think, you know, on that note about how sometimes, and you see it often on social media, people being like, oh, well, no one watches women's sport. Like it doesn't generate enough like commercial value. I actually had a, a conversation with someone from um, Rugby Australia. And, you know, I said, you know, something that does hurt me is like when people say that, like, you know, is is the Wallaroos program, uh, you know, sometimes it feels like it's not as profitable as the Wallabies. And she was like, make no mistake. Like that has like the the fact that we have, you know, a, a semi-professional women's team, like that has so much commercial value, like never undervalue it. So I think often, and I don't know who bloody says that like behind their screens, like at home being like, no one wants to watch women's game. It's so boring. Like there is so much commercial value in, in us. I just wanted to make a point off the back of the voices around that, that say no one wants to watch women's sport or whatever. Those voices are getting dimmed a lot. Yeah. Those conversations that, that have had in circles of blokey blokes and that, that they're starting to die down because they're, they're more people I know or those types of conversations that have existed, 
they're watching what they say now because they they know that they know that within a group there's others people that do watch it and disagree with them. So they're starting to go oh, uh, and they're, they're, I think the voices are getting quieter and quieter. But like I said before, there's still a long way to go. The fact that you know the the seasons are shorter, the opportunities to wear a Guernsey are, are less and less. Um, when you compare it to the male sport, that's like a big hurdle that needs to be overcome. Full seasons um, where you get the same amount of opportunities to get on the field, justify like getting some exposure and that sort of mm. thing. Well, to answer your question, Michaela, and I do want to make mention, this is my baby cousin and she's, uh, she's growing to be a fine sportswoman herself, or should I say a, a sensational athlete herself. Um, gender inequality is probably something that we'll be kind of sorting through for the next little bit, but take heart. There are a lot of good people like the one in this studio who um, will actively do their part to, to see that gap close. Well said. Well done, Michaela. Good question. If you have any questions that you'd like to ask either Dean or myself, feel free to send it through to my personal Insta, Sarah Nangama or Dean Hallitau. Even though he may seem inactive, I promise he checks his DMs. <laughs> Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Oh, my God. Join Sarah and Dean on Can You Be More Pacific? Don't go anywhere. We've still got lots coming up. Including a chat with Carmen Taplin, one of the NRL's best wellbeing managers. Also, a report on the ground from P&G and another one of our favourite songs from the year. I'm here with Andrew Lapani, the Secretary for Techball P&G, and he will tell us a little bit about this new sport that's in P&G at the moment and growing. It's an interesting sport. First of all, welcome, Andrew to the show, Can You Be More Pacific? Just tell us about the history of the sport very briefly and uh, what, what you're trying to achieve in PNG and what have you done so far and what the future holds. Thanks, Peter. One of my favorite shows, Can You Be More Pacific? I uh, love the show, so it's a pleasure being on it again. Um, so Techball, it is growing in Papua New Guinea and I get asked a lot, what is Techball? Um, by a lot of different people. And so the easiest way, I guess, to explain it is it's a sport that sort of brings together elements of table tennis in the fact that the table that is used to play the sport on is curved, but it is the same sort of shape and design of a table tennis table. And then um, elements of football or soccer and volleyball, I guess. So in terms of soccer, you can use all parts of your body except for your hands, just like in soccer. And we play with a size five soccer ball and then volleyball. Uh, you have three hits in volleyball to get the ball over to the other side of the net or the, or the, the table in this case, and it's the same in, in tech ball. Um, similar to table tennis in that you can play singles, doubles, mixed doubles, um, and like all those sports, it's a lot of fun, a very challenging, skillful sport. And as you said, we have now introduced it to PNG. Um, so we're very excited about that. Tech PNG is the national federation for the sport in Papua New Guinea. We just recently we're given membership into the PNG Olympic Committee, so the National Olympic Committee of Papua New Guinea, and that gives us a bit of um, credibility and allows us to really pursue our ambition and our vision for, for the sport of tech ball in the country. So tech ball, that's our history in PNG, very recent. Uh, we started laying the foundations for our establishment in the country last year in 2020. We were accepted into the International Federation for Tech Ball FITEC last year, and as I mentioned earlier this year, now a member of the PNG Olympic Committee. Um, tech ball, interesting in how it came into the country, how we came to learn about it. So uh, FITEC is the international body for tech ball, 
and they have been trying to grow the sport in uh, throughout the world. In fact, they lay the claim to it to being the fastest growing sport in the world. And I think there's evidence to justify that in the fact that uh, their social media following is exploding. So if you're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok, any of those social media platforms, um, just follow uh, TechBall and you'll see that there's quite a big global community out there. The sport was only really invented in 2014 by a group of friends in Hungary. I know you're hungry right now, but uh, we're, talking about the, <laughs> we're talking about the country in Eastern Europe. So these group of mates, uh, one of them, oh, they all love football, soccer, and one of them was actually quite good at it um, and, you know, was pursuing a sort of professional career. Unfortunately, he had an injury, and so that prevented him from going down that path, but he still loved to, to play football. Um, they used to get together all the time and juggle the ball and try different tricks with the soccer ball. They had a table tennis table, so they started to do those same skills on the table tennis table. And then they thought, you know, to make this game even more interesting, we should put a curve into the table. So they got a proper designer to go ahead and, and do all that architectural stuff to make the, the table work for them. And uh, in 2014, they, they invented the sport. And just in this short period of time, seven years, it's grown all over the world. Um, it's in 140 countries at the moment. Here in the Oceania region, there are seven countries, with PNG being the most recent one, to get on board and become a national federation of FITEC. Uh, so we have American Samoa, Cook Islands, Guam, New Caledonia, PNG, as I mentioned, Tuvalu, and Vanuatu as the seven uh, countries in the Oceania region that have a, a techball federation. And I know, you know, the similarities with, with football, with soccer that uh, it's only a matter of time before Fiji and Solomon Islands, Samoa and some of the other Pacific Island countries out there get on board. So if you're listening right now and you're based in Solomon's or Fiji or Samoa, uh, get in touch with FITEC. I know that they've been sending the feelers out to people in, in those countries trying to get them to uh, establish the sport and grow the sport and they'll be very interested in hearing from you. But here in PNG, as I said, our vision is to grow the sport and you mentioned that we've been holding some tournaments. So we had our very first tournament Last month, it was a great success. We had a whole bunch of people taking part in a singles competition and a doubles competition. And the feedback from them that they really enjoyed it. They're already asking for when the next tournament is. So we're planning uh, to hold our next tournament um, in the coming months. And further down the track, um, hopefully send our first ever PNG Techball representatives to the World Championships that are happening later this year. So we're excited about that uh, as well. And obviously the long-term dream um, is to see the sport grow throughout the country. Uh, currently, as we've just started, we're, we're only based in, in the major centers here in Port Moresby, some interest in Ley and Medang. Um, so we want to grow the sport, uh, not only in those uh, major centers, but throughout the country as well. So if you're listening here in Papua New Guinea and, and interested in, in understanding a bit more about Techball and seeing how you can get the sport going in your own uh, village or in your own community, please reach out to us. We've got a Facebook page. We've got a Instagram page, or you can just email us on techpng at gmail.com. But uh, our long-term vision aligns with the vision of FITEC, the International Federation, and that is to see TechBall become an Olympic sport. They are very passionate, and they're pursuing this with a lot of vigor. Uh, they're ticking a lot of the boxes in terms of making sure that they comply with what the IOC would like to see from Olympic sports. So as I mentioned, they've grown rapidly in the last seven years, over 140 countries playing. Uh, it's uh, inclusive sport, um, so men and women obviously playing, um, and in all regions of the world, all corners of the world. And they've just recently introduced Paratech Ball as well. 
So not only in the Olympics, but maybe in the Paralympics uh, in the future. And they've set their target of, of being um, an Olympic sport and hopefully on the program. I think Paris is, is just around the corner three years away, which might be a bit too soon. Um, but we've got LA in 2028 as uh, the host of the Olympic Games. And then obviously the exciting news that the Olympics are coming to our region in Brisbane in 2032. So that would be fantastic if TechBall is on the program at the Brisbane Olympics. And uh, even more better if we can see some PNG athletes representing the country and part of Team PNG at those Olympic Games in, in, in Brisbane. Um, that would be a dream come true. So that's, that's where we're going. It's a long road ahead and we've just started, obviously. Uh, so we're looking for interested people to come on board, um, join us as we work towards this vision and uh, work towards growing this, this really fun, uh, really exciting sport um, in Papua New Guinea. Well, Andrew, I think you've answered the question in full. Um, I think everyone out there would now be interested in Tech Ball. And Tech Ball is spelled T-E-Q-B-A-L-L, is that correct? T-E-Q-B-A-L-L. So if you Google it or uh, if you're on YouTube, actually, type that in and you'll see some amazing videos of people playing Tech Ball, making use of any sort of flat service surface to have a bit of fun um, and that's the beauty of it it can be played anywhere uh, especially covid and those of you in lockdown at the moment you don't need a big space just get the soccer ball out and, and start hitting it and playing with friends and i think that adds um, are one of the reasons why tech ball has become so popular another reason why i think it's also so popular is we see a lot of uh, sporting personalities especially some of the big international football professional players getting their tech ball tables out and, and playing and you see a lot of the clubs um, have tech ball and are integrating tech ball into their, their daily training regimes. I think very recently uh, the big news of Lionel Messi leaving Barcelona and joining Paris Saint-Germain and on his very first day of training uh, he was playing tech ball and it's, so it just goes to emphasize you know, how, how fast and how widely accepted this sport has become and um, the potential that's there. So yeah, in the region we want to see it grow as well and reach its full potential here in the Pacific. Well, Andrew, thank you very much for your time, for sharing all that wonderful information on tech ball and uh, its introduction in PNG. We wish you and the sport all the best, and uh, we'll probably see you uh, playing that uh, sport on a, a table somewhere this weekend or the next weekend or sometime this year. Thanks a lot, Peter. This is ABC Radio Australia with Sarah and Dean, the best of Can You Be More Pacific? You're with Sarah and Dean and we're looking back at the best moments from Can You Be More Pacific of 2021. We did some fantastic interviews throughout this year and this one has got to be one of my favourites. All right, so this week on Talanoa Time, we're lucky to be joined by Carmen Taplin. She's a wellbeing officer with the Gold Coast Titans. She's been in the rugby league world for a number of years, working with New Zealand Rugby League, with the Roosters, uh, and, and basically helping bring through, uh, and the Warriors, I should say as well, but helping bring through um, young rugby league players uh, into the elite environment and doing a very good job at that. Carmen Taplin, thanks for joining us on Can You Be More Pacific? Thank you both for having me. It's um, a real honour, actually. So, yeah, I was stoked, stoked to be on. I, I, as I said in the intro, your your resume is pretty big, and I've known you for a few years now. We were lucky enough to to do some work together in in the wellbeing space. What is it, I guess, that that attracted you to uh, rugby league in the first place? Um, I've always had a passion for rugby league. I've never played it, but as a as a fan, and um, I, I was just lucky enough to get a role at 
New Zealand Rugby League way back in 2007 in an administration role, and um, the rest was history. My husband played, um, and I supported, uh, managed, and did all those bits and pieces, but to be able to work in the game was just something I was really excited about, and I had no idea it was going to take me where it's taken me to today. And you, I mentioned that you're a wellbeing um, manager now, and, and, and that's uh, been the area that you've worked in for probably the last, what is it, five or six years you've, you've been working as a wellbeing officer slash manager. It, what drew you to that particular role, obviously but coming from administration and, and, and sort of working your way in towards the wellbeing space? I think, um, so at the New Zealand Rugby League, um, Tony Kemp, who, um, you know, you either love him or, or you don't. <laughs> I, I really love him. I, <laughs> I've got so much respect for him. He gave me an opportunity to work in the Kiwis management group. Um, and so being involved in that space as the auntie, um, you know, looking after, I suppose, uh, introducing a female into that space um, was a way for him to kind of um, show that women are respected in those roles and, and that kind of thing. And um, I did that for four years and I think it was just the relationships that I gained through the boys and understanding really quickly, even though you, the elite athletes at the top of their game, that they were very much human beings that were just like my brothers or my cousins or my, you know, the people back home. And, and I really felt like there was a, a real um, essence of well-being that I could offer in that area. So that's probably what got me interested in that space. And then we were house parents at the Roosters. 2013 and that's where I thought well there's a huge need um, I think there had been a couple of these suicides back in 2013 early early in the year and months and I thought gosh I think I can do something to help and that's probably started it. Carmen it's pretty crazy to hear about your story about where you started to where you are today and no doubt being a well-being officer you have a huge role that's all-encompassing when it comes to supporting um, the teams that you're involved in as well as the boys and girls. I have a question in regards to um, I guess what how important is your culture in helping you in your day-to-day role as a well-being officer? Oh it's it's huge I think um, well being Māori and I I'm from that my parents were in the um, back in the day where Maori, you know, you don't speak Maori, you get punished if you speak Maori. So I was probably um, wanted to learn so much more, but wasn't allowed to. So now that I'm a bit older, a lot older, but um, the value of my culture is just so important. And for me, seeing it even through the wellbeing space, how key it is for that connection. Like for me, that connection to home is so important. Um, the intrinsic um, strengths that we have as Māori or Pacifica or Indigenous, you know, it's where we feel our way through things um, more so than needing the data in front of us to know that this is the right thing to do. Um, We're trusted more by our instinct and to be honest, that's been a real guiding light for me in the work that I do. Um, It's it's a blessing, I think when you look at the makeup of the NRL and the NRLW, the percentages are huge with regards to our um, Pacifica Māori and our Indigenous players. So I think if we, you know, can do more in that cultural space in this in the wellbeing area, I think 
a lot more of our plays would be flourishing or would be thriving. It's an interesting point you make about the disconnection that, that some may have to culture from an earlier age. Do, do you see that rugby league and sport in general actually provides opportunities for players? Uh, and this is something that I've personally sort of observed in, in rugby league is that players have an opportunity to learn more about their culture through rugby league. Oh, definitely. I think with the specific uh, programs that um, Nigel Wagner, you know, I think he started and then you, um, you know, stepped into that mantle and drove and, I, I love that. Um, Dave Solomona and his space is trying to do a lot of work in the Pacifica space to, I suppose, um, champion that for all the players. Um, the NRL are fantastic in allowing us to do that. And, you know, like for me and the, the work that I do, I kind of say, okay, what are the guidelines? Oh, yeah, I'm going to go. I'll, I'll stick to the rules, but I'm going to do it a little bit different. And that's what I, I love about the game. Um the Titans, where I'm at at the moment, they just they have a Titans cultural collective, which just blew my mind. So they've got a board of people, you know, um, Samoan, Tongan, uh, Cook Island. We've got our Indigenous boys on there. Um, and it's all about we meet once a month and we talk about our cultures, what are some of the things we can do in the day or in the weeks or game days to make sure we include culture in there and the richness of it um and so i'm i'm so blessed to be where i am right now that sounds like such a great initiative i think often when we talk about diversity and listening to um you know different voices it could be the same people in a boardroom every you know couple months but the fact that you guys are meeting once a month to to actively discuss what can be done i think is such an important step to um just creating a game that is is inclusive and allows our players to truly express themselves and learn more about their culture. And just on the note of you being a wellbeing officer, no doubt you would see plenty of things throughout a day, yet alone throughout a week. So I have to ask, what is your favourite part of the job and what is also the hardest part of your job? Uh, My favourite, I think, is the relationships you are able to build with players and it's the, the girls and boys like just before this call I got a text from one of our NRLW girls she's young 18 just needed a little bit of guidance around nutrition and work and, and she just messaged me going um auntie comes I just I got my plan and I've stuck into my training and I'm, I'm so grateful and those are the that's what I love about it um I said it's not nothing but I said that the hardest part is when you have to say goodbye, you know, like if I move on or players move on, that's probably the hardest. I mean, I, I care about them for life. Um, I message, honestly, I message boys like from day dot all the time, checking in how they are. But I think the relationship when they do, you know, I've got to understand that they move on and and, and, and life goes on for them. Um, I suppose that's probably my my least favourite thing. But otherwise, I love the ups and downs. I love the challenges. They help me grow as a as a well-being officer and um, as a human. So, yeah, not much of a downside, to be honest, from my perspective anyway. Others might think differently. <laughs> no, I love that. And the part where you said you care about your players for life speaks volumes of the connections that you have um, that don't just last when you're in a club or based on how long a player is signed for. It's that you genuinely care for these people. And um, yeah, I just think that's really, really great. Coming to the present day, COVID obviously affecting everything. Has it impacted your day-to-day role? Uh, It's probably made it more important. Um, 
and Zoom, you know, that's the one thing I will say to COVID uh, that I'm grateful for is the fact that we realised pretty quick, well, actually, we don't have to meet face-to-face to have a meaningful discussion. And um, I'm able to squish in so many meetings now without having to add in travel time. And But I think it has highlighted the need for that connection. And um, so it's made my job, and I'm sure all the other wellbeing managers' jobs, a lot more busier in that sense. Not that we've got more drama or anything bubbling under the surface, but the fact that it's so important that we keep in contact um, one way or, or another. That's so great to hear. Well, Carmen, what we love to do before our guests, before we wrap up the, sh- um, sorry, the interview is we have a segment called Tip On. And basically what we want to do is just run through some rapid questions with you and have you answer them. It's, it's meant to be fun. It's meant to be lighthearted. And basically you're just meant to say the first thing that comes to mind. Would you be up for it? Okay. <laughs> I love it. So we'll get the, the clock going and um, we'll get stuck into it straight away. Oh my gosh. You got this. First question. What have you been reading, watching or listening to lately? Oh, and belonging. Owen Eastwood's book. Love it. Our producer is also listening. Uh, sorry, reading that. What was your first concert? Um, um, Justin Bieber, which wasn't that long ago. <laughs> I love that. Who was your most annoying? Uh, who was the most annoying player that you've ever had to deal with? Uh, Jazz Chibanga. <laughs> but he's also my favourite. Love it. Who was your... also my favourite, oh. and I love him. Oh, noted. <laughs> who is your sporting hero? Oh, my gosh. Sporting hero, sporting hero. I say Ali Lautiti. Beautiful. Do you have a hidden talent? Um, not really. What's your oh, go- maybe oh, singing. Singing. Okay, we'll hold you to that. What's your go-to karaoke song? Oh, um, perfect. Um, fairground attraction. Noted. Scale of 1 to 10, how good are you at keeping secrets? Uh, is 1 good or 10? Ten? 10 is good. Ten's um, good. I'll be saying, oh, 10. 10. That's a solid, solid um, evaluation. I'm you're 10 at keeping secrets. <laughs> Can you give us a I have to say that I'm a well-being person. Yes, you Yes, I was to. just going to say, I was like, it, it, comes with the, it, comes with the, it comes with the role, really. Yeah. You're, are you going to give us a, a couple of notes from Perfect? Oh, no. No, no, no. no. I, was, I just panicked. Yeah, I panicked then. So, okay. Um, <laughs> I want to yeah. touch on Justin Bieber. That was your first concert. Yeah, I'm not really a crowds person, and my uh, daughter was turning 13, so I had to take her. But oh, you're a good I love a solid it, mom. But, um, <laughs> I love that. Well, Carmen, thanks very much for uh, sharing your story with us today on the show. And um, I can say, and I know this from all the people that I've spoken to that have been lucky enough to work with you there, um, the players are very lucky to have you as a wellbeing officer wherever you go, be it the Roosters, the Warriors, the Titans, New Zealand. Um, <laughs> but once again, yeah, thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. That was Carmen Taplin, Gold Coast Titans Wellbeing Officer. The best of Can You Be More Pacific on ABC Radio Australia.
Now, if you've wanted to ask a current or former athlete anything, then this is what this part of the program is for. It's called You Can Ask That, and we are sending it out there to anyone that listens to our show to come back at us with the question that's been burning in your mind uh, that you wanted to ask. Please send them through to our DMs at Sarah Nangamara or at Dean Hullitow on Instagram. Sarah, what have we got this week? It's uh, come through anonymous on Instagram, but the question is, how did slash do you want to be remembered from your playing career? It's a big one. It is a big one. I think I'm going to put the question to you first because you are a retired player. So basically now people are, you know, their interactions with you are based on what they remember of you when you were a player. So Dean, how did you want to be remembered? Well, I wanted to be remembered first of all. That was a good start. <laughs> now that's real talk. That's real talk. <laughs> no, nah, look, it's, um, I guess one thing when, you, when you're still playing is that you, you want to win you want to be that player that your teammates want to take the field with. That's something that I'm sure any athlete in a team sport um, sort of aspires to be. You want to achieve things, play at the highest level, win premierships, get representative jerseys and all that. But I think at the end of the day, when you have the respect of your teammates, it's something that you know you, you value quite a bit. It validates what you do. So um, when you finish, you want to leave a legacy behind that of being that guy that your, your teammates wanted to play with. And um, that was something that always was in the back of my mind. But I guess. I didn't really think that I bought into the um, the backslapping and the the way that you get revered as a professional athlete at times. I always thought, no, nah, it's not really for me. I felt like I didn't really need the pats on the back. But when I did retire, I did notice that I missed it. I missed being um, you know cheered on every week and you took the field and then having someone come up to you after a game and say, hey, I thought you played really well. So I, I guess being remembered is that back to my first little joke about it is, is something that, that I, I do value because it means that they remember me for, for what I tried so hard to do. And that was, I, I worked my butt off to, to be a first grade football player. And yeah, just being remembered is actually really a really nice feeling. It, it just makes you f- feel like you achieved something, you did something in the game. What's something that, that you want to be remembered for when you finish, Sarah? Well, before I get stuck into it, I think that was like a really cool response, right? Like just to be remembered in the first place, but I won't be forgetting you anytime soon. I might get old and have gray hairs, but I'll never forget you. Um, well, I actually grew up watching you, Dean, and I think that's like really important to highlight. Um, as for me, ultimately, you play to have the respect of your teammates as well, right? Because it's a team sport. So um, I think by my peers, I'd want to be remembered as someone who like worked hard for the girl next to her. Um, and didn't cut corners because I I don't I pride myself on the fact that I I always do what's asked of me if not a little bit more not because I'm seeking praise or anything but I just want to be the best player that I can be for the girls that I have the opportunity to play alongside so hard work is definitely something I would want to be remembered from by my peers and then I think like from the general public like someone who had time to talk or like to be a little bit personable um because you, you always want to keep your feet on the ground no matter what's happening around you yeah it's really important so it's a good lesson sarah you're full of good lessons every week you come up with something that uh, we can take away as a good lesson thanks dean that's uh that's compliment and well received so for any of our listeners who have tuned in if you've got a question you can send them through to our dms my handle is at sarah nangama and dean's is at dean hallitow with the best of Can You Be More Pacific on ABC Radio Australia. Well, that's all we have time for. You can listen back to all of this magic wherever you get your podcasts.
On behalf of Sarah and I, Happy New Year to everyone. We'll be back next week with another episode of our favourite moments from 2021. Matoa kia. there. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC Sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.